7 o'clock on a Thursday. You know what time it is, Paul Moyer. It's time for a Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer. How you doing, Moyer? It's Thursday. By the way, the Mariners are Boston lost today, just for those out there. <laughs> just make sure you're all aware of that. And uh, we are now officially tied in the wild card. Yeah. Lost call, Let's go, Mariners. Pretty, pretty exciting. It, it, it is exciting. You know, this is Seahawks Hawk, Live. But, you know, it's good for the Northwest. Yes. You know, it can't always be just the Seahawks. And the Seahawks, you know, everybody, you know, is, is on board for, for both of these. So. so I'm doing pretty well, but I'm still licking my wounds from last week. It was tough, Bump. It was a tough one for analysts like us to really go through this game and, and try and fix things. Yeah. And right now there's a lot to fix, particularly on defense. Lots to fix on defense now. There's an elephant in this room right now. <laughs> People want to place blame. Is it the offense? Is it the defense? Is it the coaches? The players? I mean, you can go any direction with this. I feel like everyone has played a, a role in this, right? In this one and two start, everyone took their turn kind of not living up to expectations. So I'm going to ask you the question I've been asked all week, Paul Moore. What, <laughs> what do we do? What, where do we go from here? Well, let's, let's start with this part. First of all, it's not just the corner's fault. It's not just Trey Flowers' fault. Um, you know, we, we play a lot of three deep zone. This is, is certainly the back seven, uh, you know, at times the back six. You know, we've been doing a lot of five-man front looks uh, at times, or a bear, bear look for those who, who like that terminology better. Um, and the type of zone defense we play, it takes everybody. I mean, it takes the linebackers taking their proper drops, being in the right spot to take away the ends, the turns, hold off those, and then, you know, rally up to check downs, things like that. Uh, it takes, you know, the, the coaches mixing things up to give the, the players the best opportunity to succeed. And last week was tough. And it, it's not like each player's busting 10, 15 times a game. You get a bust one time from really, I think, Trey Flowers. He played, I thought, a different coverage than everybody else. Have uh, two times maybe, you know, Jordan Brooks, or maybe just didn't quite, you know, uh, push out to the to the turn or hook hook area. You get one here, two there. And starts adding up. Now you got seven of those guys. Now it starts getting to 14, 21 plays. Yeah. And Minnesota found it all. Um, but we do got to we got to shore some things up uh, in in our sec in, in the pass defense and our drops and how we're crowding people along the way because we can have the greatest pass rush in the world. The ball comes out quick, and and we're not covering people. Obviously, uh, it, it makes for a long day. But there's there's a lot of things they've got to go back. And it, it, to me, it's not even just simplifying it. I don't think we're playing a real complex defense right now. We we play a lot of zone. At times, we we blitz. At times, we we send five guys and play kind of a hybrid zone defense where the three guys inside, kind of like quarters. You know, for those who are quarter people, you it's usually you take the three inside linebacker safety, whoever they are, and they crowd those three inside re- receivers. And then you kind of leave the corners a little bit uh, isolated out, out wide or you give up some of those throws. So he has some of that too. And, you know, they've been reading us and they've got, they had some really good routes last week, but we just got to commit to doing better pattern recognition. Uh, you know, again, a guy in the flat, guy in the flat, since you've been in youth football, guys in the flat, you widen just a little bit, but you got to know you're holding off a turn or an in route coming behind you. Yep. You just have, I mean, it's just you know, basic football. And then you rally to the other stuff. Uh, we're just, you're just a lot of, again, youthful mistakes. And we've got to get things tightened up by everybody. Lots of things going on on the back end, second and third level, I'm going to say. And even down into the trenches, right? I mean, Kirk Cousins had a lot of time to throw the football last week. Only sacked one time. Quarterback hits. He only was hit three or four times. I mean, you're not getting to the quarterback, and there's a lot of space going on on the back end, so there's going to be a lot of success. Now, the Hawks last year were in the same predicament, right? Statistically, they are the worst defense in the NFL. Last year, they could say, look, at least we're good against the run. They can't even say that this year, Moyer. They are 30th against the run, 26th against the pass. So it's like you can't be bad at both. You got to find a way to bring something to the table and be good at good at one aspect of defense right now. And we're just not seeing it. What I what I think though, I think that there's enough when it comes to personnel on this team to fix things, right? I think everyone just has to be on the same page. Doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to get there, right? 
every NFL roster has talent, but it takes the right combination of coaching, of scheme, of players understanding what they're doing. Um, this is the first time in maybe two or three years where I'm legit concerned. I'm like, all right, this is this game against the Niners is probably the biggest week four game I've ever covered for the Seahawks. Well, we haven't been one and two since 2011, Pete's second year. You know, so, you know, we're used to having success. And obviously since uh, – uh, Russell, you know, has been here. You know, we, we haven't had those. Um, look, here's what's different. One, one quick thing, Paul, sorry yeah, to cut you off. 2018, we started 1-2 and two as we well. Because we started 0-2 and, and we beat the Cowboys to make it 1-2. and two. Obviously, that team bounced back, got to the playoffs. Because when you're 0-2 in the National Football League, it's really hard to get the playoffs. I think it's in like the 15%-ish range. But that was the last time the Seahawks started 1-2. and two. I, You know, I'm just – I was reading somebody's notes, and you make the notes. But maybe <laughs> – no, geez, I, I probably read that one wrong. Uh, it, the difference between last year – and thank you, by the way uh, – than last year and this year. Last year, our defense played pretty well in the first half. And even – pretty well into the middle and sometimes third quarter. It was the fourth quarter. Yeah. I, you know, we did the statistic last year where, you know, the Seahawks, if you took the first three quarters and averaged it out, you know, they would have been like in the top five defense. But if you took the fourth quarter average over those first, you know, six, seven games, they were giving up almost 800 yards a game. And so we were had huge leads at that time. So it was really passing playing soft. Sometimes we gave up some big plays. We, we started to tighten that thing up, but we started off 5-0. and And so you're, you just go, okay, we're, we're okay against the run. We're playing good uh, defense to give our, a chance for us to get these big leads. This one, though, feels different because we're not stopping the run. We're not stopping them early. These really long, sustained drives. As a matter of fact, last week they had five drives in a row. Nine plays, 90 yards, 12 plays, 66, 16, 50, 11, 70, 12, 88, 60 plays in five drives. That's probably more than we had, you know, in the whole game. And then what's more important is the amount of time. Yeah. And so those five drives, you know, just adding that thing up, you know, was well over 20 minutes, almost 30 minutes. I mean, that's, that's half the football game. So, um, this one's tough. I, I really – and what changed last year as well, uh, Bump, was we decided to get more uh, or tight and contest the throws, and we started blitzing. We started putting pressure on them. And I think we have to do that. I think it's really tough to play soft defense. You know, look, Pete knows this stuff. I mean, everybody out there, there's not one dumb football coach on the Seahawks. These guys are smart guys. They've worked hard to get where they are. And so they just they got to correct some things. And sometimes you go in with some personnel that you think it's right, but we didn't play any starters really in preseason. Yeah. So you think you have it, and then all of a sudden you get into the regular season, you go, oh, this is how people are scheming us. We got to make some adjustments. Now Hawks are going to have to make some adjustments. So now I'm going to switch over to the offense. People are going to say, all right, what happened to this offense? That first half they put up 17 points, things look good. The second half they stall out. I'm going to let you know what happened that second half. The second half. The Vikings come out, 16 plays, 50 yards. Talk about those longs drive that you have. Then the Hawks get the ball. They, the Vikings get a field goal off of that. The Hawks get the ball. Five plays are out. They punt the football. You are playing catch-up at this point. The Vikings scored 30 unanswered points. You're playing catch-up. People are going to say, why didn't Chris Carson touch the football? You need to implement him into the game plan. Yes, you do. But when you are down, you cannot run the football six to eight times in the drive and expect – to keep time on the clock and get back in the game, you are forced to play a certain way. And guess who knows you have to play a certain way? Zimmer on the other side, he goes, look, they're behind. They're going to have to throw the football. We're going to have to, we're going to sit our guys back deep and, and anticipate what they're going to do. So it's hard to play catch up. It's hard to be dynamic and play catch up when you're behind. Yeah. It's frustrating because we've had now three games in a row. We've had a double digit lead. And we've we squandered two of those, um, and we, and not just squandered them, squandered them quickly, um, and that's we got to start putting teams away. There's a lot of positives though, you know. Obviously, Chris Carson's averaging 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, Russell Wilson's having just another phenomenal year, 133 QB rating. He's got seven touchdowns, no interceptions. We just got to tighten up on defense. I think our offense is explosive enough for us to win a lot of football games. You talk about double digit leads in the last 171 games. They have 10 losses when they have double-digit leads. doesn't happen often, but we've been seeing that a lot lately well, here. Two of them this year. Yeah, two, two of them of this 10? year. Yeah. yeah, it's been rough. All right, when we get back, we got to look forward to the 49ers. We'll get an opponent preview from Nick Wagner from ESPN.com. Lots more to do here, right here on Hawks Live. 
Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer. Hawks are moving on to the 49ers, and now we get to talk to Nick Wagner from ESPN.com. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing okay, man. Thanks for taking time out of your day to holler at us, man. Uh, the Hawks are looking to bounce back against the 49ers. 49ers are looking to bounce back um, from a loss against the Green Bay Packers in dramatic fashion. What's the temperature over there in San Francisco? Do they feel they have a good football team here? And is there really a quarterback controversy going on? <laughs> well, it's interesting, actually, because I, I think as week four games go, you know, you don't want to press the panic button, but this is a, feels like a pretty big week four game for both of these teams because um, I think both of them are still trying to figure out kind of what their identity is and who they're going to be in 2021 and to answer your question to find out if they're actually good teams or not. Um, and when you look across the division, you see the Cardinals and the Rams playing this week. One of those teams, barring a tie, is going to get to 4-0. So if the Seahawks lose this game, they're three games back. If the Niners lose this game, they're two games back in the division already. And, uh, and then you're facing an uphill climb in a really tough division. So I think from the 49ers standpoint, they understand that this is a big game. It's always a big game when they play the Seahawks anyway. Um, but coming off of a loss, a very disappointing loss, as you mentioned, I think that ratchets up the intensity a little bit. And I think they know that they're in a position. It's, it's, you know, you don't want to say it's a must win, obviously, this early in the season. But um, it's about as close as it can be for, for a week four game. And then as far as the quarterback controversy, you know, Kyle Shanahan continues to say that it's not. And I think what's going to happen and you're going to continue to see on that front is as long as the 49ers are winning games and they have a winning record, it's probably going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. But what's also going to happen is that that drumbeat for Trey Lance is going to get louder as long as the 49ers offense continues to do what it's done over the last two weeks. And I say that meaning really slow starts in the first half, not scoring points until just before halftime each of the last two weeks. And yeah, they're turning it on a little bit in the second half like they did against Green Bay, but that inconsistency is only going to get people wanting to see Trey Lance more, and that drumbeat's only going to continue to get louder. You know, two very different losses. You know, the Seahawks... Yeah, really struggled. Did not play well. You guys was a heartbreaking one. Yeah, we obviously don't have a quarterback controversy at all. We, Russell's sure. the guy. But why is Jimmy Garoppolo so polarizing on the – all of the guy has done is one when he's on the field. He's played pretty well, maybe in some clutch situations, maybe a struggle at times. But why why so polarizing when his, his win-loss record's fantastic? Yeah, it's funny because I think what you what you get now, and this is, I think, a product largely of social media where there's not any room for gray area or nuance, right? You're either the best ever, you're the GOAT, or you're trash. And there's no room in between. Like, that's kind of how people seem to view it these days. And and I think that Jimmy Garoppolo falls in, in between those, obviously. And there's a lot of guys that fall in between there. But um, I think part of it is, is 49ers fans are accustomed to or at least expect great things from great quarterbacks or from their quarterbacks, I should say. And, and especially when you've got a guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's making as much money as he is. But I think what it really also boils down to is, is that, you know, I think a lot of quarterbacks, when you look at the elite guys, the, like Russell up there or, or the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers in the world, they elevate the talent around them. And there's not a lot of those guys out there but the other guys, a guy like Garoppolo, needs a lot of things around him to be good for him to be at his kind of maximum capacity. And so I, I think that part, that plays into it as well. But really what you have now is, is Jimmy Garoppolo at this point in his career, he just kind of is who he is. And that's fine. He's a fine player. But, um, you know, you also want to see somebody who can maybe raise the ceiling of what their offense can be, which is why the 49ers went out and got Trey Lance, obviously part of that was Garoppolo's injury history, but the other part of that was Trey Lance gives them a higher ceiling than what they already have offensively, and particularly now that their defense isn't as dominant as it was in 2019. Nick, I blame all the drama on Twitter fingers, those dang Twitter fingers. Everyone <laughs> has an opinion these days. All right, so now the last couple of years, the Niners have been hit with a lot of injuries. This year, it looks like that running back position has been hit. Um, how do you assess that position, and what are your thoughts on Trey Sermon so far? Yeah, it's been, um, it's kind of been what you expect. You know, the Niners, other than Kyle Shanahan's first year, they have cycled through three or four starting running backs just about every season. Uh, so they've, you know, they kind of have accounted for the possibility of injuries. Obviously, running back is a position that lends itself to that. But they've also put themselves in a position where they've counted on a couple of guys who have 
lengthy injury histories. And they did that in other positions too, but running back being the topic we're talking about right now, Raheem Mostert is one of those guys. He gets injured week one or sorry, week two. And all of a sudden he's lost for the year and he's having surgery. Jeff Wilson jr. Got injured standing up in his locker room legitimately in spring. He's just standing up in the locker room and he tears meniscus in his knee and he's out till midseason. Jermichael Hasty uh, trying to catch a pitch, a simple pitch, a high ankle sprain. He's out for a period of time. So they've had that bad run of bad luck injury wise for the whole team, but running back seems to be the spot that has, has really hit them the most, at least on offense. I'd say corner on defense. Um, but you know, they still have other options. You mentioned Trey Sermon. You know, he has been okay. I think he. They gave him every opportunity that they could to let him kind of win the one B job behind Mostert during training camp and didn't really do it. You know, Elijah Mitchell, their sixth round pick out of the university of Louisiana uh, kind of surpassed him. He's got a little bit more juice, a little bit more of that home run ability that the Niners like in the outside zone running game. So all those things kind of factored in, but their running game is not in a great way right now, guys, the last two weeks, they have really struggled to run the ball. And as you guys know, that's such a big part of what a Kyle Shanahan offense wants to do. And without it, it's contributed a great amount to the struggles they've had offensively, particularly early in games. You mentioned 2019 uh, there again, their defenses. I think we, we know them for defense and a great rivalry over the years because of that. And, and maybe they're not as dominant now, which kind of surprises me because they still got some big names. I mean, you still got Armstead, mm-hmm. you still got, you know, Nick Bosa, you still got Fred Warner. What's the biggest yeah. reason you think it's not as dominant? And I'll, I'll throw it, the defensive coordinator leaving as well, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, that, I mean, you you hit it on right there. I think I think that losing Robert Sala, is, it was probably their biggest loss of the offseason. Um, one thing I would add for sure is losing DeForest Buckner, um, oh, yeah. who was just kind of criminally underrated for a lot of his time with the 49ers, and now just in the last year or so since he got traded to the Colts, has kind of started to get his the recognition that he deserves as an all-pro. Um, but even just looking at Nick Bosa, if you watch Nick Bosa playing the last couple weeks, teams are chipping him, throwing more attention his way than they did in 2019. Part of that, he was a rookie then, but having DeForest Buckner next to him certainly helped because you had to kind of pick your poison. And Javon Kinlaw, who they drafted to replace Buckner, hasn't really done, you know, lived up to the expectations that he had, let alone live up to what Buckner was able to do. The other thing I would say defensively that has, has set them back is quite frankly, they just haven't made a lot of investments at cornerback. And, you know, they, they, they went out and had Richard Sherman for a couple of years. And obviously in 2019, he was really good. He's no longer here. They re-signed Jason Brett, who had a really good year last year, but we know what his injury history is. So if you're banking on him to be your number one cornerback, there's inherent risk that comes with that. And there's other, there's other guys at corner that have been banged up and you would just like to have seen them make a more significant investment than just a third round pick and a fifth round pick and a couple of, you know, one year deals for corners uh, in this off season, particularly as they kind of try to replace Sherman. So I think those are a few of the things that are kind of at play here. I think they still, like you mentioned, they still have a lot of talent. They should still be good enough. But I think the difference is this defense isn't going to be an elite defense like that 2019 group was, which means the offense has to pick up the slack. And that's where I think the Trey Lance factor comes in of trying to elevate that ceiling to kind of make up the difference there. Nick, I don't know if you heard, but there's a there's two receivers out here that are pretty good, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. <laughs> but San Francisco, yeah. they have two of their own, man. You got Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. How excited is this franchise about the potential of these two young receivers? Well, I think Samuel in particular is a guy that they love uh, what he's done. And and really, if you look at him this year, it's like watching a different player in some ways because, as you guys know, he's kind of came into the league as more of a gadget guy. I mean, uh, comparable to Percy Harvin, what Percy Harvin was uh, up there in Seattle. And, you know, he wasn't a well-rounded receiver. So they were you know, find different ways to get him the ball. But when it came time to, you know, run a, a 14-yard dig route on third and 13, He's not necessarily the guy that's doing that. That was why they trade for Emmanuel Sanders in 2019, or part of why they did that. But Debo has really kind of reshaped his body. He's put a lot of work into route running. He's just a more complete receiver, which makes him in turn a more complete player. And it gives the Niners a lot more ability to get him the ball in different ways. And you're seeing that his target share, I think is something like 35.7% of his routes run. He's getting the ball on, which is, extraordinarily high for a guy on a team with George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk on it, on it also. So he's really taking a step forward or at least appears to be, he's in much better shape. Um, I think that's going to help him, you know, potentially stay healthy. Uh, maybe not taking as many risks in terms of kind of, you know, trying to run through guys as much another part of that. And then Brandon Ayuk, 
had a, has had kind of an up and down, you know, the summer and leading into the first part of this season, but starting to kind of come around a little bit. I think they wanted to light a fire under him a little bit because he, he didn't play a whole lot in week one, but he's starting to kind of get back into that role that they envisioned for him. So I think he's going to get it going. He just maybe needs a little fire lit under him. And I'm sure as he watches Debo continue to ascend, um, that's going to kind of factor into getting him up and running as well. Nick, strong stuff, yeah, man. We appreciate man. your time. Definitely. You got it, guys. Take care. Thank All right. That, that was, was Nick Wagner from ESPN.com. Nick it. was on point, man. Yeah, yeah. He's ready to go. All right. When we return, we will chat with defensive tackle Robert Kimdichie right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Every Thursday, me and my guy, Paul Moore, will be right here. And we talk to a Seahawk every week. Today, we get to talk to Robert Kimdichie. Robert, how you doing, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How you doing? Good, man. Nice to hear from you. Now I'm a I'm gonna take you back to high school, man, because <laughs> I was a I was a top 100 prospect coming out of high school. But then I look at you and you just you know you just did your thing, man. Number one prospect yeah. overall. How was that in high school? Being a number one, you know, everyone's coming at you, giving you their best shot. How was it? Just having that prestige in high well, school. Well, it was. Uh, it was. Um, it, it was it was a blessing, you know, to be able to be in that position and, and, and to be able to play, you know, all the, all the people I did play being the number one player in the nation and, uh, and, and the, and what it came with, you know, really having to make sure I worked hard and had to stay at that level. It took a lot of work and it took a lot of focus. And, uh, and it was, I mean, it was incredible, man, just to be, just to be in that position and then still be here now is, it's uh, it's I'm just really, you know, I'm just really happy, you know, about it, and and I can, and I'm just excited. You go on uh, Wikipedia, which we always look, and by the way, for everyone listening, you need to go look at Robert's Wikipedia page because it's it's really impressive when you, yeah, you're the, not just the number one pick, you're the unanimous number one recruit coming out, and there's only been four of those since 2002. One of them being Clowney, who who was here as well. And you were you were wire to wire, but you're look, you went to Grayson High School, really good high school. I yeah. mean, you, you guys, you know, when you were there for sure, unbelievable, finishing fifteen and zero on ESPN. How does Georgia lose you? How do you end up at Ole Miss? Oh man, well, was my, well, my brother, uh, yeah, my brother was there, so that was uh, I, I just followed him, and so I ended up going there because he was there. That was the yeah initially, so. Are you... that, was, that was that was the reason why I went there. I, I did go visit Georgia, and I like me and Mark Rick had a good relationship. But I just, you know, Ole Miss, Ole Miss won it at the end. <laughs> how how you like an Ole Miss right now, Lane Kiffin? Are, you, are they going in the right direction? Um, yeah, I think I think they I think they have a great team, and I think uh, yeah, I think they have a really good team, and I'm looking forward to see what they do. All right, so I'm, I'm, I want to see I want to see how they finish. Yeah, they're looking it's good. So, definitely looking good so far. So okay, so now we're going to transition because kind of recruiting, right? So now, yep. Last year you don't play, <clears throat> but you end up yep. free agent. You end up in Seattle. Tell me that. Yep. Why? Why Seattle? What was that process like? Well, um, well, I, I was training, yeah, and I was, uh, you know, just kind of just focusing on myself and getting my getting my body back right and kind of just getting my whole. You know, you know, almost life back in, in shape, and uh, and and I was working out, and one of my uh, and my agent reached out to um, Seattle, and and uh, and I just I kept working, and and, and now 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 we're here, and so it was just a, it was just a it was a, it was a matter of you know me just working hard, and and there being an opportunity, and me getting blessed with the opportunity, and 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 try and making the most out of it. And I'm gonna keep doing that, but um, yeah, but yeah, I was just I was training and and and, uh, and Seattle called and, and and it happened. And we're we're glad you are here now, Robert. Moyer and I have been through some training camps, and during training camp, we went out there and I would watch you, man. And you always had this energy about you, this life about you. Where does that come from, and uh, how does that help you in your everyday life? Well, well, you know, just I, I, I think life is life is you know it's just a blessing, man. And and when you get the opportunity, you know, to to be in this position and 
and overcome things and, 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 and still be here with this opportunity is just, you know, you know, you have nothing but gratitude and, and that gratitude just gives me a, a gust of wind cause, because it's just like, I mean, every moment is just like, is enjoyable. I can enjoy every moment because I know where I came from and I know where I am now and I know what I'm going to do to make sure I, I, I uphold the position I'm in, uh, the, the position I'm in right now. So, uh, it's just it's just a blessing, man. So that, that for that simple fact that I have the opportunity every day, every morning to wake up and do what I love, that that really gives me a. Uh, it really makes me feel. It makes me feel good, man. It makes me feel I can just go to work and attack attack what I do, you know, with so much intensity and and uh, appreciation. So intense intensity and appreciation somewhere. Well, attack those that. So. <laughs> well, attack you do. I mean, I. I you know, we were again. We were at training camp, just watching your get off your, your quickness. I read you ran a four five six at one point, which is just insane uh, for a man of your size. But uh, really incredible. But I'm going to ask you: you yeah. you come into camp four four, I think. Did you really get it right, Moyer? Did, what's, I'm just reading <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, it was in it, it was in high school. I remember. Well, I, I believe you. <laughs> I just yeah, yeah. I was a DB and I ran a four five five, and I was like. Okay, we got a defensive tackle running sub four fives now. That's um, pre- pretty remarkable uh, when you when you think about it. Yeah. When you yeah, that's funny. When you you, you come in, you're having a great camp, but don't get in preseason. Uh, you get nicked up uh, along the way. Your first yep. game, first regular season game. I mean, you you pl- you play a lot of snaps. I mean, I I was looking at some of the numbers there. How sore were you after the first full game you played? Um, yeah, I felt, I felt good. I felt good out there. Well, just because, you know, training camp, you know, the, the work we put in during training camp, it just, I felt, I felt like that had me prepared for, for the games and, and, uh, and I just felt really good even going into the game. And, uh, and I just want to make sure, you know, I keep, I keep working to try to get better so I can keep feeling better throughout the season. But um, I felt I felt good, and uh, yeah, I was just happy to to be to be out there and have have my wind and and have my focus, and to be able to be out there and and you know to just be out there on the field again and just you know to do that. So it's just uh, it, no, it just feels good, man. I, I'm excited. I'm just excited for the opportunity, and and uh, and yeah, and and I know I know throughout the season I'll, I'll feel good. Uh, I'll keep feeling better throughout the season. So, uh, yeah. All right, Robert, you guys are coming off a couple losses. You got 49ers coming up this week. When you put on the film, uh, what challenges do you see with the Niners? And then what's the vibe of this team right now? Um, I think from, from, from what I uh, – from, from this week and of practice and preparation, um, we're, we're, we're focused and we're locked in. We're where we need to be. Um, we're, we, we have, I feel like we got humbled a little bit and we, we, do, we, 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 uh, we took a loss. And so I think that, you know, kind of made us, you know, re re channel our focus and, and, uh, really dig deep to, you know, and figure out, you know, the, 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 uh, the wave of how the season is going to go. And so, um, I think we're, I think we're, we're really focused, man. And so I'm just I, I just think we're just trying to get better, and so that's what's important. So, so Robert, you a uh, Southern kid, you know, down in Georgia, you, you end up going to Arizona, uh, where uh, it's warm, still South. You go to Miami. Yeah. Right, now you're up here yeah, in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. So two two questions. One, what do you like to do away from football, and and how you like in Seattle? It's got to be very different from the other states that you were, you were in? Um, well, uh, Seattle is, um, it's, uh, it's, well, I mean, compared to Miami, they're all different because just, you know, the, 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 just the whole, you know, demographic of state, and they're all just different, but, um, Seattle, I, I, you know, the opportunity I have with the Seahawks, I feel like I can appreciate being here, you know, a lot more, you know, you know, you know, so it's just, it's just, I'm just happy to be here, you know, because Seattle is, it has own unique, uh, it has its unique 
vibe about it, and it has its own unique kind of uh, energy about it. So, I mean, it's just cool. It's it's cool, and I still I haven't got around to go really ex- experience you know all of Seattle, but I'll I'll, I'll get there eventually. But um, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been great so far. So, well, Robert, I'll let you know we're we're happy you're here. Seattle has its own vibe, unique vibe. So do you, man. You keep going, and good luck this week against the 49ers, man. We appreciate you taking time out of your night. Thank you guys so much for reaching out to me, man. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again whenever we can, man. And uh, we're going to rock this weekend. Yes, sir. It's going to be fun, man. like it. Let's get it. Fun, man. 12, baby. 12. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. We're going to rock out. It's going to be fun. Yes, sir. Thanks, Robert. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. All right, man. You guys have a good night. You too. All right, yep. that was Robert Kimdichie, your D-tackle, man. I'm excited for this guy. He sounds excited. And when we return, we're going to talk to the professor, John Clayton. We're going to talk Seahawks, NFL, a whole bunch of stuff right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. It's 745. You hear the funk. You know what time it is. John Clayton, what's up, man? Hey, how we doing? How we doing? We doing good, man. How are you? Good, good. All right, now I'm watching the Jags versus the Bengals, uh-huh. a.k.a. Clemson versus LSU. What are your thoughts? Uh, these aren't two very good teams, but it's actually a better game than I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, it's like you know, Trevor Lawrence did well in the first half. He's struggling in the second half. But now you can see that uh, Cincinnati, who got off such a bad start, really came back quickly with that beginning drive at the second quarter, getting it getting it tied up. So it makes for an interesting game. But, I mean, these are two teams that are going to be so far down in the standings, Jacksonville lower than anything else. I think, you know, the interesting part is whether Trevor Lawrence can get his first victory in the NFL. John, I stood up for this segment just for you. Got yeah. up, got off the seat. Hey, a lot of talk, obviously, Josh Gordon earlier this week, actually mm-hmm. Monday. And some people have said that the Seahawks may – have dragged their feet on this one or something, but um, I don't think so. Why do you think he ended up in Kansas City and not here? Don't know the answer because I guess maybe he was thinking he has a chance to go to, uh, to a team with uh, Patrick Mahomes and you know it may be a better team than Seattle. And because I'm I'm surprised, totally surprised because I know not that they've been in contact because again they couldn't, but uh, they were interested and I think they were planning on him coming in and signing the practice squad contract. And sure enough, uh, Kansas City gets him to the practice squad contract and he doesn't come, which I think is a, a loss for this team because he'd be a good addition. I know years ago he was a former pro bowler. He fit in with Russell Wilson. And I don't know if it's a matter that Patrick Mahomes did some recruiting of him or not, but uh, in the end it was a surprise that he didn't end up in Seattle because he lives in Seattle. Well, that was the, that's the surprise. I mean, he and Russell, I think, have worked out together, things like that. So I, I think people thought for sure he was going to come here. I mean, uh, Pete even talked about it once he had been on, excuse me, um, John Schneider on our show on Sunday. He talked a little bit about it once they said he was going to be reinstated. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, Monday morning. He's in Kansas City. I, I just that one really I think threw a lot of people off. It did, and I think it threw the Seahawks off a lot too, because you know they they kind of I mean again uh, they weren't tipping their hand to the media one way or another what they were going to do, but I think clearly they were tipping their hand to Josh Gordon as an agent, and maybe it was his agents who talked him into going to Kansas City. That very well could be the case, uh, but. You know, and in the end, I mean, they were anticipating on Monday he was going to get totally cleared. And then on uh, Monday, he was going to sign the practice squad here in Seattle because he had been vaccinated. There was no delay in getting him into any kind of a building or anything of that nature. So, uh, no, it's a surprise and an upset. And again, you know, they got maybe a little bit too late into the mix for Richard Sherman and they didn't get him. And so he goes down to Tampa Bay. John, everyone's talking about the Seahawk defense right now. Is it the D-line, the linebackers, the DBs? Personally, I think it's a group project. Mm-hmm. I think they're failing all together right now. But um, you can kind of look at the secondary and, and point some things out. Do you think Sidney Jones gets a shot this week? I think he does. I mean, because, uh, you know, Trey Flowers continues to struggle. There's this continued struggle right now with the, the linebackers matching up with the cornerbacks as far as coverage. You know, so many things are open in the middle of the field. I mean, you saw Kirk Cousins take advantage of it more than just about any quarterback they've faced in the last couple of years. So with that in mind, because you know, they've got to do something to get things right. And, uh, you know, obviously the pass rush has to be better. They're going against a pretty decent San Francisco 
uh, defensive line. But here's the interesting thing when you look at it. Okay, so Seattle secondary has not done well. What do you see from San Francisco's secondary? Mm. I mean, right now, how many guys are left? I mean, you know, they're sitting there. They've got, uh, you know, they lost uh, Jason Verrett for the season with an ACL. Uh, you know, they, they don't have uh, K1 Williams because he's going to miss with a knee injury. Then, uh, you know, you got, I, I can't imagine, I can't, I, 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 can you imagine that uh, they're going to be able to get Josh Norman out there with a bleeding lung? He had a bleeding lung last week. How can he be out there in a week? I can't imagine that. And so all of a sudden, I mean, you have, you know, a couple draft choices, a third and a sixth round draft choice. I mean, you got a couple of veteran guys like Drake or Patrick. He's one. And, you know, they, they picked up, uh, you know, brought Buster Scrines. But it's like, uh, you know, if you really think about it, if you want to say that the Seahawks are not in good shape at the cornerback position, I would contend to say that the 49ers are in worse shape. Normally, one and two going into week four, and particularly with a 17-game se- or season now, you wouldn't think this is a must-win. But this division is so difficult. So mm-hmm. do you think this is a must-win for the Seahawks? It is. I mean, if it was any other division, uh, it probably wouldn't be a must-win. In this division, it has to be a must-win because, I mean, you've got four teams right now. I mean, maybe right now you could say excluding the Seahawks because they're not playing like a playoff team that uh, you are playoff caliber teams. And you look at the first week and, you know, Seattle looked like a Super Bowl team going against Indianapolis and then, you know, lay an egg on defense for the last two weeks. So uh, now it's a matter of trying to pick things up. But, I mean, you don't want to come out of this weekend three games behind either Arizona or the Rams. That's going to be tough to catch up because one thing in this division Every team has a good quarterback. And maybe Jimmy Garoppolo of the four might be the worst, but he's still not bad. He was able to get his team to the Super Bowl back in 2019. John, there are five teams remaining in the NFL who are undefeated. The Raiders, the Broncos, the Rams, Panthers, and the Cardinals. So two of these guys are in the Mm -hmm. NFC West. I look at these Rams, John. And they look like an elite team in this NFL. What are you seeing from the Rams so far? I mean, they look good. Now, again, their defense isn't as good as last year, but that's anticipated. And when they had to take the $42.2 million hit on Jared Goff on the dead money and Matthew Stafford on the salary. And so, you know, they lose four starters on defense, but they're still good enough. But, boy, their offense with Matthew Stafford looks sensational. I mean, because look what he's doing with Cooper Cup. I mean, Cup has just been great so far. I mean, they haven't had much of a running game. Their offensive line actually is performing pretty well. But, I mean, look how solid they've been just in every game. I mean, they look like a Super Bowl team, and they have to be slowed down. And right now, as good as Arizona has been, and they've been very good, I can't see Arizona going down to the Rams and being able to beat them. I'm going to take you around the league a little bit. This one interests me. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears right. and potentially moving. And, you know, they just bought 326 acres in Arlington Heights, Illinois. I never thought they would move from downtown right there on the water, even though I think it's probably one of the uglier stadiums. What, what are you hearing there? Is this, is this going to happen? Are they going to move? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it, if it's a strategy to try to get the city to try to help them out, no, because the city's not going to help them out. I mean, you know, it looks like uh, they may be in the process of moving. But here's an interesting, and again, I don't know how valid this rumor was, but it came out the other day, is that uh, you know, down in Jacksonville, Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, who's a University of Illinois grad and a big Chicago City fan, is thinking maybe he can move the Jaguars up to Chicago and take over Soldier Field and make some renovations on his own there. So I don't know how valid that is. But, uh, no, I think that there's, there is a chance. I mean, because, you know, hey, say what you want. It's like uh, these are owners. Owners don't like to spend $175 million and not be able to get anything out of it. And that $175 million I don't think is going to be able to garner anything from uh, the city of Chicago. And so uh, I think there is a decent chance that at some point they, they'll move. John, great stuff as usual. We appreciate your time. Keep oh. it funky, baby. Oh, okay. man. I, oh, I just, you know what? Oh. I, you know what? I, I might have messed this up, Moyer. We got, we got 30 seconds. Go All right, ahead. John, All right. tell me what you want to talk about. Okay, uh, the, we'll see what happens with Trevor Lawrence tonight. Rookie quarterbacks right now, 1 in 10, more than 37 interceptions. They're all throwing like a 55% or less and 5.6 yards or less a yard. The only quarterback that's doing well as far as the numbers are Mac Jones, and he's 1 in 2. There it is. Now I can say it, John. See? 
You keep it funky, baby. Keep it funky. Okay, thanks. All right, All right have John. a good night. All right, when we return, Moyer and I will talk that talk. This is when we pick a couple topics and go at it. Will the Seahawks have a good turnaround like they did in 2020? How good is Matthew Stafford? Will the Hawks win 12 games? All that and more next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I am Michael Bump is here with Paul Moyer. This is the segment where we go into the film room. Paul and I love watching film, man. It's uh, It's intriguing. It answers a lot of questions, and it poses a lot of questions at the same time. And this first play we're going to look at is a 30-yard touchdown by Chris Carson. It's second and seven. They're on the Minnesota 30. Ball at the 30 of the Vikings. going to turn the hand to Carson. Big hole. Down to the 20. Down to the 15. 10. 5. Carson's in. Touchdown. Seahawks. Chris Carson into the tunnel. He may be heading to St. Paul. What a run by Carson. 30 yards for a touchdown. The Seahawks on top now, 16-7. to All right, Moore, this play right here is exactly what we expected from the Seahawks when they signed Shane Waldron to be their offensive coordinator. We want to see some zone. This is nothing but an outside zone right here, and I think what makes this play go is Dwayne Brown. Man, he really controls that nine tech, that stand-up rush there, number 49. Uh, he rushes and takes a wide angle, which really plays right into, into this whole scheme right here. Dwayne Brown goes, oh, you want to go wide? I'm going to take you wide. I like the way he controls his block, puts his right hand, and really shoves him to his left. Now, everyone else is working for the combo. You got your right guard that's going to double down on the nose. He's going to try to get up to that linebacker. Um, but it's all about flow and getting bodies on bodies. Now, the Vikings have numbers in the box. There's going to be a guy or two that is free. But when you can control the line of scrimmage the way Dwayne Brown does, kick out that nine technique, open up that lane for Chris Carson, the rest is history. And then receivers. We got DK Metcalf blocking on the third level. You don't need to blow guys up there. You just need to occupy people. That's exactly what happens. I believe that's Peterson that uh, DK is blocking, does just enough. And Chris Carson showed a burst that we just haven't seen in a while. I don't know that if uh, he hasn't had the opportunity to or not, but I haven't seen a burst in a while. Outside zone, this is a staple in this offense. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Brown, no question, the, the kick out, or as you said, ride the guy where he wants to go out wide. I thought Damian Lewis on this was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's a left guard, and, you know, the, the tackle, and I, the number 91, I think it was, was it Weatherly or whatever his name was, um, he's sitting outside of him. So Damian has to get off the ball quick, and he does, and he hooks him. I mean, that's a hard that's a hard play to do. I mean, yeah. defense tackles are thought never to get hooked. In that case, he did, and then we get the kick out. We get the great block by DK. The bummer is I, I think Chris got one or two more carries after mm-hmm. this. I mean, when we're running it, we're running it pretty well. The man is averaging 4.9 yards per carry. So the running game has a chance. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they have a chance. They were down in the second half. I think that's why we didn't see much of him. But you can't go away from the run, right? Tennessee was down double digits. I'm not look. I'm not, I never question. <laughs> I really I don't question play calling. I I think it is the most overrated thing in the world. I call it. You go execute it as a player. Yeah. I don't care if I call it ten times in a row. Get it done. Get it so done. I I don't ever question play calling. All right. Next play. Kirk Cousins finds Adam Thielen for a 15-yard touchdown on third and 13. Cousins from the shotgun looks fires to the back of the end zone. Ball is caught. Touchdown Vikings. A late flag comes in, going to be a helmet-to-helmet, I think. Adam Thielen with the touchdown from 15 yards out. Thielen, who's been really quiet so far in the game today, but he is a big target, and that time he catches the touchdown pass on the goal line, and the Vikings now 17-13 with the Seahawks on top. I could spend an hour on this play. (laughs) There's so many coaching points on it. Um, First of all, the Seahawks rush five. And so we're playing a bit of a hybrid and that we're rushing five, but we're playing zone behind it. That means we've only got three underneath. We're playing three deep zones, so the corners are their deep third. We've got digs in the middle of the field. And then you've got, I believe, the nickel and um, Bobby Wagner, uh, and I can't remember. Uh, now. Oh, and I think Brooks uh, playing the, let's just say, hook the middle uh, in a situation. They're supposed to zone off, kind of play like quarters. It's kind of what you're taught. You, you crowd the three inside receivers when they, they come out. But as they get downfield, you let them go. Yeah. In this case, you know, we, we, dropped, we, we did drop coverage. We rode with the number two receiver too long on the side that they throw this touchdown on. 
read, you know, his technique's bad. You know, he's he stands up, he's a little late in his back pedal, and he's not in good position. He gets on his heels, so when he makes just that little stem outside, talking about Thielen, and then breaks it back to the post, and what I would call really a seam, you throw this so that the safety, the, the free safety, can't make a play on it. And that's what they did. They, they, but the reason why this is, there's hope for the Seahawks, and that this is third and 13, and we play this really poorly in so many areas. Now, the linebackers play, or the nickel, the linebackers, we, we drop the, a crossing route. Reed's not in, his technique's not very good. Um, Jamal Adams, who's blitzing, runs into one of our guys, so he doesn't get a free uh, rush at the quarterback. So, to me, look, we can clean this up. I, I don't love this coverage down here. Um, but if they executed it properly, and actually all three of the linebackers and nickel dropped and protected the seam in the middle, and with us blitzing, we probably get off the field. So this is the part where they just keep saying, we got to clean up, we got to clean up. And they do. I mean, they've got to get better. But to me, there's that hope that this is just, we just we can play better than this. Yeah, I'll give Thielen some love. He did a good job of widening um, Reed. He knew that, look, I'm going to go inside here. I'm going to line up in a tight formation. I'm going to widen Reed. Not a great route, nothing too special about it, but – um, Thielen just has a knack for scoring touchdowns, man. I believe he has four for the year right now. But if I'm sitting outside you, okay, so a three-deep zone. Let me tell you the weakness of a three-deep zone. It's the seam route, yep. right? Because I'm playing outside technique as the corner. <clears throat> you're taught in a three-deep zone as you carry seams if you're a linebacker or a safety. And we it looks like our nickel is starting to carry that seam, but the, he turns it into a post. you got to let that go. Yep. And you're playing a zone, too, but it looks like it's more man-to-man. So the, the weakness of a 3D zone, you got to carry seams because the safety can't get there in time. The corner can't get there to help. Uh, in this case, again, all he did is he widened or tried to widen Reed, who's already sitting outside, and he's got no help in, in really inside there. So if you're a wide receiver and a quarterback – and I'm sitting outside technique, pretty easy throw. Yep. You know, so it's we can, we can be better. We can do better. All right, next play, Daryl Taylor strips, sacks, Kirk Cousins on third and 11. Third down and 11, Cousins looks outside. Ball is on the ground, stripped away. Cousins has to fall on it. And it was Daryl Taylor who reaches out on the pass rush as Cousins tried to get away from the rush. Nice job by the Seahawks defense. Taylor strips it away, but Cousins gets it back, and the Vikings will be forced to try a field goal with a loss of 10 on the play. Man, this is so good. Man. <laughs> First, you know, so Taylor, I'll just comment real quick on this. Taylor's on our right side. Uh, the offense is left. He's in a, a two-point stance, but he's in a sprinter two-point stance. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have his hand on the ground. His speed rush is – that's that's as good as you can get. And he's beating the left tackle. He gets around the edge. Cousins kind of feels it and s- tries to step up and escape out to his left. And Taylor reaches out and strips the football. That is such an athletic play. What I like, you know, what frustrated me a little bit was that I saw a lot of times when Reed was in a three-point stance. I don't think he's at his best in a three-point. You got to allow this young man to get in that stance you're talking about. Taylor? Yeah, it's Taylor, sorry. Yeah. Um, Taylor, I don't like him in a three-point stance. There's a lot of times I guess you have to put him in or it's schematically you're supposed to do it because they have a double tight over there, the overload aside. I get it. You got to set an edge. Maybe you're stronger in a three-point. But I like when he's in a two-point and he can speed rush and use that youth. And what he does, he fires out the football and he does his little shimmy the second like week in a row. Come inside. Yeah, he does that shimmy. Boom, gets that tackle off balance. And now it's just speed and strength. All you need to do is get a paw on Kirk Cousins. He gets the ball away from him. This is when Daryl Taylor is at his best. I love him in a two-point stance. Yeah, but and our right tackle there had a great rush too. And what I like is they they took the our so our defensive tackle rushed inside of their guard. And so why is that important? Because it gives Taylor space. He can go either beat him on a speed rush outside, or he does this little shimmy you talked about. He can actually come inside if the guy gets too wide, and that's because there's no guard there to, to chip him along the way. So I like that. Look, I think our pass rush is there. We just got to tighten things up in the secondary so the quarterback has to pull it down. That's what happened here. The quarterback, look, he had to pull it down just for a second. He tried to escape. Taylor gets the sack and strip fumble. It's beautiful when it all comes together. If you can get Taylor, Taylor going that defensive line, the backers dropping into the zones they're supposed to, corners keeping leverage. 
They're going to be all right, but we shall see this week. Okay, when we return, we'll go around the NFL. Man, Mina Kimes goes in on the Seahawks. Is there a QB battle in San Fran? Head coach is not having that. And was LeBron James almost a Seahawk? All that next right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus hanging out with Paul Moyer. Now it's time to go around the NFL. Now there's a resident analyst called, or called, her name is Mina (laughs) Kimes. Uh, Great analyst, but she went in on the Seahawks defense. Let's hear it. Do got a little crow, Stephen. I will say I was too optimistic about Seattle. I will say that. Um... The defense has been worse than I thought. I don't blame the offense for much. They have had some second-half implosions. Yeah, game script has really messed with them on offense. The defense has been an abject disaster, frankly. And uh, you've seen the meltdown now twice. I think we realize now that the Colts' offense is just simply not good at all. Uh, They can't cover major issues in the secondary. It's a simplistic scheme. And if this team wants to compete for a wild-card spot, I do not think they have a chance at winning the division right now, given how the Rams are playing. They got to get something fixed on defense. They got to get more of a pass rush. So they do have serious issues. As uh, my buddy Paul Moyer once said, she ain't lying. (laughs) She ain't lying. Uh, um, Well, here's what she is doing, though. She's, she's, um, it's three games, and she's looking at statistics, right? So she goes, they got to get a pass rush. Our, our pass rush is fine, you guys. We we got to tighten up pass defense and give those guys a chance to to do it. But you know, again, after three games, what she's looking at statistically, what she's saying is, if she's on ESPN trying to make a a story, she's she's accurate. I mean, look, we're we're two games behind the Rams who are playing great uh, de- defensively. It, it's supposed to be better. It hasn't been obviously the first three games. So I think what she had to say is, you know, I'm. I'm not uh, arguing with her, but I am saying that she's taken way too big of a, a you know, 30,000-foot view looking at statistics and not actually looking at the game. I don't know. I think she has a point. I well, think I don't think she has a point at all on the pass rush. I, well, it's, I look at the pass rush, and last game we had one sack, right, two, two or three quarterback hits. That pass rush didn't force Cousins to, do, to make any mistakes. 30 or 38, three touchdowns. There was a one pass that this pass rush force and we were like, oh, man. Oh, that was a close one. We looked at that strip sack by Daryl Taylor, but other than that, I can't think of any play where Kirk Cousins looked flustered and, ha- and made a poor decision. All right, so let me ask you this. Do you think he was back there just patting the ball? So that that 30, what was his statistics again? 30, you just threw out their cousin, whatever his, his number. Uh, 30 for 38. You think that's because of the pass rush? I think it's all connected. Yeah, I, I just again, I I don't think it's because of the. Pass I remember rush. there's, a, I remember you know I remember on there was a fourth down play that he completed where they brought the house and he stood there he threw the ball he got hit, honestly, and I, you know we watched the games you watched the game, you re, you remember watching that game and thinking okay Cousins is back there working of course he's gonna have to move in the pocket that's what quarterbacks have to do right but I'm not saying this pass rush is horrible but I'm saying that last game I don't think Kirk Cousins was uncomfortable. No, again, I, I think the ball's coming out. There's a lot of hitch routes. Um, again, Flowers, you know, seven catches for 78 yards. That that's not why we lost. Yeah. You know, those are those are hitch routes. You know, if we're to me, it's part of the defense we're playing. And this goes back to last year. I said you have to help this line out. You've got to play tight. You've got to take away their primary throw, and that's pattern recognition. That's playing things tighter, even if it's zone. It's matchup zone. If we're just going to spot drop the 20s, they're going to ping, ping, ping us all day long. Plus, how many screens did they run on us? Lots. They're going to complete screens. So when you look at his yard, I look at the yard, Seahawks' yards per attempt passing defensively. I mean, again, we're 20th. We're like 7.8, 7.9. It's, it's not atrocious. So to me, you tighten that up, you give now our guys a chance to get there. Because I think our pass rush – is good and will be good. So that's all I'm saying. So, It'd be my only argument. Yeah, so what you're saying is be my only because argument. of the coverage, they're able to get the football out quickly, therefore there is no pass rush because doesn't matter he's what not you going do. back and passing. I mean, if the ball's coming out 1-8, you know, 2, it's pretty tough to get yeah, pressure. Makes sense. All right, Kyle Shanahan has been consistent and once again makes it clear that there is no quarterback battle in San Fran. 
there's not a quarterback battle right now. I mean, we're going with our starting quarterback, who I think is playing very well. Um, happy that he is, so Trey is not thrown into any situations he has to do too early. Um, if he ever is thrown into that, then I know Trey will deal with that, and he'll get better as it goes. But it's not, we have a luxury where we don't have to do that yet to Trey or to our team. So uh, hopefully we won't have to. He's pretty much saying Jimmy is their guy, and then he doubles downs on that. His trades are backup quarterback. I mean, this isn't the preseason. We're not just going back and forth all the time. I mean, Trey goes in for specific plays or things we want to do. Trey's week in and week out. He's, I mean, he gets better each week the more reps he gets on scout team and stuff like that. But um, there's not a big decision going into that each week. Or if we put in a game plan for our starting quarterback, um, the backup needs to be able to do all of that if he gets hurt. And what's cool about Trey is because of his different skill set, we always keep him alive with a couple plays on situations. He sounds annoyed. But he shouldn't be. It's funny. I was thinking the same thing. But he shouldn't be. You guys traded up to get the third pick in the draft, gave a ransom for it. And so you're always going to have those questions because you traded up for it. Um, so they shouldn't be perturbed or frustrated with that question. It's, it's going to happen. But I think there's a point where you go, look, Jimmy's our guy. Yeah. We are going to sit Trey all year. Trey not playing. He plays some specialty. Trey's not ready. No. Trey's what, 20, 21 years old? He didn't play last year. He hadn't played enough football. Trey's going to be pretty good. I mean, we, we see that skill set. But there's more than just a good arm and athletic ability to be a great quarterback in the NFL. And right now he's learning. He's going to sit for this year, probably not next year, but maybe. You know, I and Jimmy is more than capable. They have a better chance of going to the Super Bowl or winning the division or making the playoffs with Jimmy than they do Trey. And it's not like they're in a life-or-death situation right now. Shanahan's got some time. They got some young talent. They got Debo. They got Brandon IU. George Kittle ain't going nowhere. They got time. They don't have to force. It's not like they're in Chicago where uh, Shanahan is playing for his job right now. Like Nagy is coaching for his job right now. That's not the situation in San Francisco. The only reason why I want Trey Lance to start is because I predicted he'd be the starter by week four. I just want to be right. Yeah, I want Trey Lance to start because I think we have a better chance to beat them. <laughs> I do. I'll play a rookie quarterback all day. Be very happy about it. Yep. All right, no controversy in San Fran. Mina Kimes goes in on the Seahawks. Moyer believes the pass rush is okay. When we come back, we'll put a ball on this thing. Show recap, final thoughts right here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live every Thursday, 7 to 9. We're close to the end of the show, man. We are. I get a little shout-out. My my nephew got married this past weekend, nice. Eric and Aaron. Congratulations. That was awesome. And my mother, who wasn't there, she's listening right now. She says I I yell on this show. Do you? So I just want to make sure I didn't yell today. So What's I'll, up, Mom? just want to make sure she's listening. All right, well, the Hawks are looking to bounce back, right? Lost 30-17 to 17 to the Vikings. There are some things they need to fix. Uh, Morris says the pass rush is fine. They need to fit more on the back end offensively they need to come out hot get a lead and keep a lead I think that's been the knock for the Seahawks when it comes to offense you can focus on the defense they're giving up these yards not good against the run not good against the pass offensively get a lead keep a league 171 times they've had double digits uh leads and 10 times they've lost two have been this year they need to fix that they do um Defensively, look, this can be a tough game. It's a tough running game. You know, they got those fly sweeps with Samuel Louis. I think he's only had four of those so far this year, which kind of surprises me. You got the best tight end in the game, I believe. Again, Kelsey yeah. is is awfully good, but Kittle is that guy that will hurt you. You know, you you got a man. You can put big boy pads, and you also got to have your little boy pads because you got to cover him too. <laughs> so you got you got to have both. But here's the one thing we must do, and we are going to be better. When you hit rock bottom, to me, we hit rock bottom quickly on defense. You, you, you start building back up, and you, you correct those things. we got to make teams one-dimensional. We're not doing that right now. They're running it and throwing it. And so we got bottom line, we got to take away the run. I mean, we got to find a way to stop it. And, you know, hopefully we play some tight defense behind it. We know Jimmy Garoppolo so well, we should know where he's going to throw the football. So to me, it's definitely the running game, stop it. Kittle, got to keep an eye on him at all times. Yeah. And you know, look, just go play football, man. You guys have been doing this since you've been in youth football. You guys know how to play. We got a ton of talent. This isn't rocket science stuff out there. 
Uh, so just just let it loose and go play. And I think last year that's what they finally ended up doing. We got too many good players. Too many. Yeah, stop the run. You got a rookie running back, Trey Sermon, back there. Scored his first touchdown last week as a professional. But it seems like whoever the Niners put back there, eventually they get going. It'd be nice to take advantage of that youth that they have out there. And you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you you said it a couple segments ago. He likes to throw the ball in between the numbers. A big reason for that is Debo Samuel, one of the best receivers in the league right now. I think he leads the league in receiving yards, 334 yards, one touchdown. You have to wrap this guy up because they're going to throw screens to him. They're going to run that jet sweep, throw screens to him. We've seen how the Hawks have played the screens, not the best against the screens. No. I mean, Minnesota ran them, you know, early and often. And, you know, screens are tough against a zone. You're, you're dropping deep, and then all of a sudden you get these linemen that, you know, get out in front. It, it's tough. I mean, screens used to scare me to death as a coach because, you know, I'm – I'd rather be in a man-to-man situation with a, a robber. I used to play a lot what I call a cover 11 where we played manned up, had a guy freed up in the middle to take away crossing routes and mm-hmm. slants. And so screens is great because you can attack that before the lineman can get to you. Um, we've got to play him better. Though. We've got to recognize him better. And yeah. that's the fundamentals too. When we're in a zone, all of a sudden we turn our back to the football. Not good. Zone, keep your eye on the quarterback, feel the receiver, but get some depth, squeeze people, and then start reacting to those things. So it's going to be a tough game. It's a 49ers, right? It's on the road. Uh, they're a nemesis of ours. The good news is they're not playing well either. They, mm-hmm. they you know, they beat uh, Detroit by eight. They uh, beat uh, what was their next one by um, by six? Eagles, Eagles, seventeen to eleven. Seventeen to eleven. And last week, you know, they lose a heartbreaker to Green Bay. So. They're not playing great. They're not a dominant defense, even though they got Nick Bosa and Armstead. They got some players now, but their secondary is really beat up. So I, I think offensively we should have our way with them. I want to see – one, I want to see how Tyler Locke is doing, right? His knee got twisted up last week. I he wanna, came back and played. Yeah, he came back and played. But you know how that goes, man. You come back, yeah. your adrenaline's gone, and then you, you're sore throughout the week. What do we know uh, on that, NASA? Do we know anything? Well, what we do know is even though it looked like it was his knee, he's on the injury report for a hip. Hip? Really? So I know, well, honestly, after his recovery, I mean, his his legs and bones are like jello, man, because the rest of us would have torn everything up (laughs) in that knee. But it went down as his hip, but he was a limited participant in, actually, he did not practice today with the hip, but I think he's going to be fine. Pete seemed optimistic about him, so not worried about him. The guys you want to worry about is Brandon Shell, who didn't practice on Thursday, as well as Rashad Penny. Um, Dwayne Estridge was a limited participant in practice, so that's a good sign, and everyone else should be good to go. Protection's been pretty good for us, you know, even without uh, Shell last week. Um, you know, I, I feel pretty good about our offensive line. Now that Damian Lewis is healthy, he looked good last week. You know, the offense really hasn't been the problem. You know, I mean, I we may need to score 40 at times until <laughs> we get it done, but I think uh, 30 is the magic number until our defense really starts to feel good about themselves. Yeah, and I think this week the message had to be on defense – Let's just all be on the same page. There are times where we look and it's like, this guy looks like he's a man. These other guys are in zone. And that just comes down to communication and understanding. So I hope Tell the Truth Monday was was one of those good ones, you know, where, you know, last year what they do, everyone stood up, they talked about their responsibilities and really put it out there for everyone to know and hear. And then the next week they bounce back. That's why I'm optimistic because we've seen these guys do it before, right? We've seen them play horribly on defense and then come back and play good enough to win ball games. And you should lean on this offense. You should lean on future Hall of Famer. You should lean on the best duo, one of the best duos in the NFL. You should lean on a running back who has, who's like seventh or eighth since 2008 when it comes to 100-yard rushing games, right? Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, the, the offense is, is certainly clicking better right now. I, we, we were talking earlier, you know, if, if I've ever been in a situation where, you know, fingers were pointing and people were confused defensively and if maybe even questioned the scheme and, you know, coaches and what I'm supposed to do. And I never really had that except for one year, um, and it was short-lived. We had come off 1984, you know, the – historical year where we had forced like 63 turnovers, which is really an NFL modern day record, never be broken. Um, And we go into 85, all the same guys. I mean, we're all veteran guys. We're, we're we're picked to be the, we're the Super Bowl uh, sexy pick that year because we came off a 12 and four year. We got Kurt Warner back, our running back. We had missed him the whole year. 
Defensively, we were unbelievable, and we are struggling defensively. We're busting all over the place, and we had a complex defense back then. A lot of uh, three-on-two combos, and and really, you know, a lot of practice. So it was hard for for quarterbacks. But now we're struggling, and I remember going into a meeting, just us DBs and the DB coach, and it was some yelling, and and you know, gloves were coming off type thing, you know, point. But by the time we got out of it. We were hugging, you know, yeah. hey, we're going to get this right. It's no one person's fault. We got attention to detail. Coach, you know, here's the things we like. You know, maybe we're doing too much with all the motion. So I think they're going to get there because, again, when you have a terrible game like they had last week, you start building things. You start listening to the coaches on the finer details. And so I'm hoping that's the case this week. Yeah, I'm hoping it is too. I, and I think it's going to be, man. These guys are pros, and they've shown they can do it. This group – has shown that they can do it. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic, man. I'm optimistic. Now I want to see, like I said, get a lead, keep a lead, and allow Chris Carson to be a factor throughout the whole game and not just the first half. I mean, I know it has to be frustrating for him to get into that second half and not get the rock, but as a professional, he probably understands, look, we're down X amount of points. I'm probably not going to touch the football. Let's go ahead and bring Travis Homer in and have him be the pass pro extraordinaire that he is. But 32 has to be a factor throughout this whole game. I th- the whole game. I-, I don't even care if we get behind. I- to me, we saw what Tennessee did to us. You know, If you just say, okay, I'm behind, I'm going to throw now, man, that changes what I'm calling defensively. And I am coming after you with a bunch of the different exotic blitzes, and that's not what you want. So I'm going to ask you a quick question I asked John Clayton earlier. Okay. You hate to say must win, particularly in the fourth game. Must win this Must game. win. Must Th- win. This is a must win. This is intense. Like, I'm, I'm coming into this game more anxious than I usually am just because I'm always anxious on Sundays when we do our show. But this is a must win. You go down one, three, three. You're two games behind at least everyone in your division and everyone else is balling, getting it done. I mean, it's it's going to be tough to climb out of this. Well, and then you got the Rams, you know, four days later on Thursday. Um, I, I agree. I, I don't like saying must wins. You can certainly climb your way out of it. I think this division is too tough to climb out of it. Um, I, I'm going to throw one out there, too. I think this is a must win because you've got to feel good about yourself when the Rams come in. you got to be 2-2 two mm-hmm. and two with a, a chance to, to strike on them, be a game back, maybe tied if they lose this mm-hmm. week. So, yeah, it's huge. I, I use huge. It's a huge game. Huge. This is big. It's, it's as big as the Mariners the next three weeks let's or the next three games. All right, let's have a great weekend. Let's the Mariners make the playoffs. Seahawks win. Get ready for Thursday night football against the Rams. Well, here's what I'm going to leave everyone with, okay, before we get out. Optimism. You want something to feel good about, Seahawks fans? Yes. Well, I'm going to tell you what to feel good about. So if you've been with us the whole show, Paul was looking for a stat in the first segment. I corrected him about the one and two record thing. Um, he talked about who puts the show sheet together and whatnot. <laughs> I'm looking back at the notes from the first segment. What you were looking for, Paul, and this is why everyone needs to feel good, Russell Wilson, since he's been in Seattle, has never, never lost three games in a row. Boom. Never. The only time the Seahawks have started one and three was in last time, at least, was in 2011, uh, before Russ got here. So if you want something to feel good about, Russell Wilson has never lost three games in a row, and it's not going to start on Sunday. And once the game starts, we don't bring that up. That's like saying a guy in the ninth inning has got a no-hitter going. We just we talk about it now. Once the game starts, we don't bring that up again. Okay. Just can we talk about the pregame? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. But once the game starts. There it is. Mm. Russ has never lost three in a row. It's not going down this weekend, man. Let's get out of here. Special thanks to Nick Wagner, Robert Kimdichi, and John Clayton for joining the show. Our board operator, Brady Robick. Our executive producer, Nasser Choby. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.